Hi there, Glocal Citizens. Welcome back to the podcast that inspires a borderless mindset around manifesting a new world. I am your host, Florence Adu, coming to you with part two of my conversation with Dr. Julene Christopher. Dr. Julene Christopher is the founder and inspiration strategist of Beyond the Fork, a consultancy aimed at helping companies, their leaders, and their employees navigate interpersonal challenges and work more effectively as teams. A cognitive behavioral research scientist by training, she's passionate about working with tools to help guide and empower individuals to become accountable for their holistic health and well-being through education, understanding, and personal growth. A Virgin Islands native, she was born and raised in St. Croix and now calls her mother's land, Tortola, her second home, as she's recently added proprietress to her accomplishments as the newly minted owner of St. Bernard's Hill House, a five-star luxury villa experience in the British Virgin Islands. In case you missed last week's episode, I really encourage you to go back so that you get to know a little bit more about how Julene came to be the owner of the Hill House and her experience in becoming a belonger, which is something that's very interesting as well. We're picking up the conversation talking about her work in the United States and particularly in social justice. As you were asking earlier, you know, I I also recognize, and you and I have talked about this before, where you recognize that you have to provide opportunities, right, for Mm -hmm. people to be able to find a way or to help facilitate helping them to be able to find a way. And so that's where, for example, another project that I'd worked on with, it's called Redemption Botanicals. And so in Illinois, when the governor at the time, big things, the platforms that he was running on was to legalize cannabis. And so the idea was, okay, well, I'm going to legalize this. It's going to provide a great revenue opportunity. But then like myself and and many others who are in that community was asking, well, what happens to the people who had been incarcerated, especially those that were coming from BIPOC community, Black, Indigent, and people of color, right? So the question was, what happens to them? Do they get their records expunged? And then do they get the opportunity to be able to be able to be participants? To so participate they could, in the, the, yeah, the industry, like to be legitimized. You, correct, right? And so yeah. Redemption Botanicals came from that desire where we brought together a group of people who were investors, they had backgrounds in business and finance and training, behavioral sciences, and we had the minority ownership helping what were called social equity applicants, right? So these are the people who would be the ones that were incarcerated or had some particular issue. And so if they were interested in getting a license, in our case, we helped to be able to fund them getting the license and and creating that opportunity that would help them to learn about what it would take to be able to run such a business, right? Because it's capital intensive and so many regulations and there's so many hoops to jump through and so many ways of just becoming so overwhelming. And so we created a partnership to be able to help people who are, who are seeking to do that. And, and so where does that stand now? Have you, the law has been passed. How are you seeing Mm -hmm. it actually, you know, 
impacting the community and, and those formerly incarcerated? My understanding, so because we live in Minnesota, my partner yeah. and I were yeah. the ones participating in Redemption Botanicals, which was created in Illinois. Right. The records were expunged. There were there were hundreds upon hundreds of records. The since about 2018, 2019, and even until now there were not enough licenses that were available for all of the hundreds of people who put in applications, right? And the local government was trying to figure out how to address those issues as well as many others that presented themselves because there were a lot of of obstacles, a lot of opportunities, and, and trying to find creative ways to make sure that the process was equitable um, was a little bit of a challenge. So um, unfortunately, there were some lawsuits uh, mm-hmm. that were put into place to just basically make sure that there were more opportunities in terms of licenses going into lotteries, for example, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So that you could have a fair chance at it. So we're still in the process of going through all of the legal challenges right now. But there are some people who did get licenses to open up dispensaries and grow facilities. And we're still moving through that process. I mean, it's it's fairly young, I guess. So we'll we'll see what the next three to five years brings because I think it's just like across the board in New York, the same thing. I think that's the the major push now, you know, just like there's big agriculture now, there's big cannabis that really focusing on the communities that have been disadvantaged because of the legal system is real. This is called a real. So. It is. Yes. Yeah. So thanks for that work. So speaking of mindset and as a behavioral psychologist, <laughs> I'm sure mindset is something that you, you think about quite often. So tell us what your favorite or innovative mindset hack is. So this is one that you practice, one that you know of, or one that you can imagine. Wow. So in the last probably uh, two years, I have been working on, if you will, quieting the saboteurs, the inner voices that keep you up at Mm -hmm. night, that force the ruminating thoughts, that foster self-doubt, you know, those voices that make you less compassionate towards yourself and others because you're just too busy either judging yourself or others or a particular situation. And when you do that, it becomes very counterproductive. So I have really made it my goal to quiet those saboteurs, those judges, the victim saboteurs. There was this wonderful program that my partner introduced me to called Positions. And the founder and and creators just, you know, he did a lot of basic hacks, if you will, that are very similar to the idea of Beyond the Fork and that interpersonal play. And and he packaged it in just such a brilliant way in in little small bite-sized pieces to help promote mindfulness. And, you know, I love that word saboteurs because that's exactly what those ruminating thoughts do. Yeah, most definitely. The doubt. Yeah. That just kind of take exactly. you away from the present. And you, what was that? Agenics? What did you call it? Oh, positive intelligence. Positive intelligence. Ah, okay. 
So folks, always we have good show notes. So that'll be in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's a that sounds like a great hack. Okay, so our time is slowly drawing to a close. It's, I could obviously, you know, we you and I can gab for forever, but I want to be mindful <laughs> of your time. So I want to ask a little bit more about let's go back over the ocean and talk a little bit more about what's next and new and how you see yourself moving forward with the um, St. Bernard's Hill House. Absolutely. So in terms of St. Bernard's Hill House, honestly, my vision for the Virgin Islands, both U.S. and British, is to create an economic engine the island equivalent of the Black Wall Street, powered primarily mm-hmm. by young entrepreneurs of color mm-hmm. who own property and businesses. And I really want to impress on your listeners that I'm 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 really grateful for my partnerships with non-BIPOC individuals who understand that in order to have true collaboration with BIPOC folks. You don't lead from the front. You learn, you listen, you participate, you sit with, and you don't stand in front. You actually act as a conduit to provide access, which at times that can mean actually giving up your seat at the table. So I am really profoundly grateful to the partnerships that I've I've had with non-BIPOC people, because that has really helped to provide meaningful ways to be a differences in the British Virgin Islands. And so with St. Bernard's Hill House, it is my desire, for example, that if someone is working with us who, you know, has literacy challenges and they want to be to increase their literacy. I want to make sure that my team can make that happen. If, you know, it's important for us that if they're signing contracts, for example, people sign contracts all the time and they find themselves in trouble because they don't have good contract acumen that people understand, you know, the contractors that work with us, they understand what they're signing. It's important also to make sure that people have, who are working with us, they, you know, have financial literacy, for example. All of those things, I am hoping that when people hear Cotera, the company, or they hear hear St. Bernard's Hill House, they know that it's a place where we practice fair compensation where people, it's its a wonderful environment to work in, right? And so that's, for me, one of the ways to be able to kind of distribute that collaborative mindset into the community to be able to, to hopefully make some type of a difference. Again, the things that weren't in place for the people who originally settled and, mm-hmm. and took advantage is absolutely what you're reversing. And I think you made a great point about those who work with BIPOC people being part from the side, because I think, you know, the development community has always, and continues to want to lead from the front. And that's where we have problems just, you know, in, in every, in every aspect. And then they still want to get a bargain on 
you know, talking to local people and then taking what local people say and paying them nothing while they're, you know, it's just, it's such a mess. So, so yes, I love that concept and that vision. And I, I know you'll be successful in doing that. Well, thank you. I mean, you know, it's, it's so important that there isn't that upstairs, downstairs mentality from the least right. of these all the way through management, people should have. And it is my intent to make sure that equity is realized. So let's do a plug for the Hill House. <laughs> so I was reading the article, this article in the BVI um, journal, I believe it is. And so Tell us about an experience that you see designing for for someone who's coming, because I know the idea of being in the in the Hill House is about experience. Again, folks, you've got to see these pictures. I mean, from the infinity pool, when she mentioned the the views, I'm like, oh my gosh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) So tell us about you know some of the curations that you are doing with your clients. Absolutely. So there is a on-site concierge as well as a small team that work with the incoming guests we send out a description of you know some ideas but more importantly it's more of an information gathering and so you know what we attempt to do is for example if there is a wellness retreat that say four or five people want to participate in. Now, St. Bernard's Hill House sleeps up to 10. So if someone wants to participate in a wellness retreat, we would then find all of the various contractors that are on island, whether it's on island in Tortola or, you know, in Virgin Gorda, we, we, because it's important to me too, to bring together the community and the community at large. It doesn't necessarily mean just Tortola, Mm -hmm. right? So Mm -hmm. we would bring together massage therapists and yoga instructors and our in-house chef would, after getting people's dietary requirements, would curate culinary experience from start to finish, breakfast, you know, your snacks, dinner, and then also whatever other types of activities, especially water activities. I feel like water is very healing. It is, if I had spirit, it would be the water God. And, you know, I feel like water is so very healing. So definitely always a day on the water is highly recommended. And we create and co-create because it's also a collaborative process with the incoming guests for them to have these meaningful, nurturing and restorative activities. If we're talking about like a wellness package, for example. So a lot of care, foresight and thought goes into creating each package. So you know, or it could be a historic package where you want to do hikes and you want to go to the different islands and learn about, you know, the history of the British Virgin Islands, uh, learn about the baths on uh, Virgin Gorda and the fact that originally the baths were where they would bathe these that were coming in off the slave ships before they went to uh, be sold. And, you know, if if people want that level of a curated experience, they can have that, you know, from being very honest about paying attention to the history of a place and understanding the history within the context to 
just someplace where you can just go with your family and just be rejuvenated and to just be, to rest, have your soul be fed. Whatever it is, we will make it happen. It sounds wonderful. Yes, so exciting. The seasons are, I mean, I guess kind of the rainy season or hurricane season starts in September. So you're really most busy during like now, winter months? Right. So usually after festival, mid-August, just the energy, the island starts to kind of slow down. A lot of people will take their vacation during that time. But definitely the island shuts down September because it's, you know, hurricane season, beginning Mm -hmm. of October. And then it starts to pick up again towards mid to end of November. So definitely the high season is December, January, February time. And then, you know, in the spring and throughout May, June, July, what we like to do too is then open it up to a lot of the locals, right? Because one Mm. of the things I also want to do is to create St. Bernard's Hill House from the perspective of venue experience that the locals would be able to also participate in. Those views, many people who I have brought up, you know, for dinners or for meetings, whenever I'm on island, many of them have never seen my island from this vantage point. And so I want to provide that opportunity to be able to allow many locals to experience the beauty and the wonder of, you know, the island in which that they live and to experience nature from a, from a very, very different perspective. That's great. That's great. Show notes, guys. I just wanted you to tell us where to find the Hill House and all your socials. It will be in the show notes, folks, but let's hear it straight from the proprietor. Absolutely. So <laughs> there, there is a Facebook page. The website is stbernardshillhouse.com. There's also an Instagram and we're we're building out our uh, social media campaign. We've also started advertising in local magazine, uh, Property okay. and Yacht. In private island in elite traveler and we're going to be expanding into some other magazines and, and digital advertisements probably in the later part of the year okay okay sounds good so let's talk about the dr christopher <laughs> the julian who is not <laughs> who's not this business person this who's not you know who's not trying to change the world, who's just being who she is. So what do you do in your time? Are you a reader? Are you a watcher? Are you a listener? And what are your, some, favorite, some of your favorite reads, watches, or listens? Or, of course, whatever else you do to, to fill your, your own non-work time. Absolutely. So non-work. All right. So I will skip to the part where I'm not talking about books that are like, books. Uh, you know, <laughs> yes, Isabel Wilkerson and her uh, warmth of other sons and, and medical apartheid and, and different things like that in a space of, you know, health equity. But Let's those are see. good reads, guys. Don't, don't pass those them are- <laughs> And medical apartheid, I'm, I'm still working my way through it. It's so heavy. Guys. Like, exactly. Yeah, that's right. So let's see for 
sheer pleasure and fun to unwind. I love sci-fi. I love uh, <sighs> mysteries. I love murder mysteries. Uh, Funny, a friend and I are in a two-person book club, and we okay. are uh, rereading one of my old favorites, Sue Grafton's Alphabet Murders. Many would find the protagonist, Kinsey Milhone, to be such an irreverent character who is refreshingly blunt and on interesting moral compass and a penchant to always, <laughs> quote unquote, do the right thing. Some other books that I actually found through the pandemic were books by uh, Zadie Smith and mm -hmm. Chimamanda. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's what I spend my time reading. In terms of listening to, I, of course, always love to stay connected to the oldies, but goodies from home in the Caribbean. So, you know, any type of music, salsa, calypso, reggae, bossa nova, reggaeton. I mean, I also love world music, but mm -hmm. I've become obsessed with Afrobeats. Oh, okay. Star Rush. Peace Square, Collabo, Burna Boy. I also love Angelique Cujo. Oh, um, yes. You know, the Afrobeats music, it's its hard to explain, but its there is just this unspoken connection and it feels so very restorative for me. And some of my friends, you know, they'll say, can we listen to another station? Because I'm tired of listening to the same <gasps> song. <laughs> on repeat but you know because a lot of it is the same artist but different songs from them yeah <laughs> but I I really I really love it I'm not a big social media person except to learn how to grow you know my mm -hmm. business or to learn how technology is changing the healthcare the healthcare landscape for example yeah. to participate fully on my various boards but I found Netflix during the pandemic. Mm, okay. And so, you know, I've most recently been watching African folk tales. Oh, yes. yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. So I think I've gotten been, through three of them. Have you gotten through all of them? I have gotten through four, I think. Okay. Okay. Four. But also I, I watch um, different series because I, I really believe that representation matters. And so I love... Kim's Convenience, it's about a family, a Korean family who lives in Canada and owns a grocery store and just kind of all of the different shenanigans, mm -hmm. you know, that they find themselves in, but also, you know, just promoting what matters most to, to the parents, to the elders, right? And, and how that then translates into what their children then learn and how they show up in the world. And, and also, I think Mindy Kalen created this particular series called Never Have I Ever about love it. a young Indian mm -hmm. mm -hmm. I, I totally love her, you know, who lives in, in Sherman Oaks, California. Mm -hmm. She lost her dad and she's now navigating high school and, and puberty uh, having <laughs> exactly and very you know, very traditional mom and, and grandmother, but are really powerful women. And so I've, yeah. you know, watched the King and I've even, you know, just really for the sake of going back to, you know, just my, my roots in terms of my dad, who from Curacao and the DR watching La Reina del Sur, which is the mm -hmm. queen of the South. Mm -hmm. uh, Teresa Mendoza is, you know, some would argue, why are you glorifying, you know, selling drugs? But it's it not, it's not that. It's her story that right. is just so 
meaningful and the fact that, you know, how she traverses all of these obstacles to be able to become who she is, you know, but while still maintaining that element of humanity because the people that are closest to her and around her are who she is constructed to be her family. So are you an affluent Spanish speaker? You know, now I read Spanish and understand Spanish a lot better than I actually speak it. So growing up in the U.S. Virgin Islands, it is the second language, but a very, you know, interesting story. So on my father's side, we have from his mother, her siblings, they all migrated to different islands. And as I said, there's some in, in Curacao where they speak Papiamentu, they speak Dutch, they speak Spanish, they speak Portuguese. There's also family that are in the DR. And so when we were growing up, we heard Spanish in terms of the community, in terms of family members. My parents were so almost just obsessed with making sure that, you know, we didn't Mm -hmm. exactly, you know, we didn't spend too much time being different. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, while you spoke it because you had to speak it in terms of, of learning comprehension, just or, or at school, you know, we didn't hear it from our parents the ability to actually be very just quick in terms of yeah. responses was always been in, in, in English, right? So now, yeah. over the years, I have really, time, especially since I, I've been spending so much more now with my family and those different islands, you know, they chide us all the time, like, why aren't you speaking the yes. language? Why are you not more engrossed? And so mm-hmm. many in my family, we've made it, our mission to move beyond just reading and understanding, but really being able to connect with the family yeah. members who actually responding, you know, because it, it there is just something that it does to you yeah. when you're able to sit in that space and not just hear it, but yeah. are actually moved by the language and respond in that tongue. Exactly. Good for you. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Julian, this has been wonderful. Thank you so so much for your time, for your insights. You're a star. (laughs) What you're doing is wonderful. And I really, because I mean, everything you've talked about really is what this global citizenship is really about. Like just really being from a place, going back to that place and then just spreading a wide net of let's all be better. And so I thank you so much for what you're doing and for your being. Thank you. Absolutely. And and honestly, I thank you. I was very honored to have the invitation to have this conversation with you. I hope your listeners find it, you know, in just very useful, informative that, you know, it's helpful in in some way to them. So yes. thank you so much yes, for the I'm opportunity. Sure. And on that note, do you have any last thoughts that you'd like to share with our audience? I would say find the time be kind to yourself. Mm. I have to remind myself of that all the time. My partner reminds me of that all the time. Mm-hmm. To be kind to yourself. And more importantly, when you remember to be kind to yourself, you are actually opening space for the opportunity to then also be kind to others. And mm. it just goes back to that human centered 
you know, mindset that I have, that collaborative, that community mindset, because it's only through the engagement with others that we're able to actually just find so many meaningful and creative ways to address the challenges that we find ourselves having as citizens of this world. How about that? (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful last thoughts. All right, Global Citizens, this has been another episode of the podcast. You can catch us Tuesdays with new episodes at globalcitizenspod.com. Don't forget to check out the show notes, folks, because they're rich. And as always, please like, share, subscribe, leave us a review, particularly on Spotify or Apple. Please leave a review so that other people can find great content online. And until next time, bye for now.